welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. All right. Good to be here. Good to see all of you. Yeah. Where have you been? <laughs> we had a little bit of a COVID issue and uh, we dealt with it. And um, Cindy and I both had it. And uh, we, I just got to tell you, we got a mild case of it. And uh, it uh, helps draw you in and seek God. You know, we made some, we took lemons and made lemonade out of it. So we're back. We've been cleared. I've been cleared now almost two weeks, really. So, uh, so don't be afraid. I feel every time I tell it now, it's the it's the new leprosy. Everyone's like, "What? You had COVID? You know, unclean, unclean." And so, you don't have to run in front of me and say that. Uh, according to the government, I'm clean right now, and they gave me a permit to walk among normal people. I actually have a little certificate that says I've been cleared. So. If you need to see it afterwards, I, I'm middle of getting it laminated so that I can show it to people, make sure I'm not restricted from going certain places. In fact, they, they're saying that, you know, we probably have immunity for four, four months, so, you know, I can, I'm feeling very free, I'm very open right now, so. Hey, I'm taking up the offering. You may have thought we forgot. We didn't. And uh, over the past six weeks, actually, September was a horrible month for us financially, we dropped uh, somewhere between 25 and 30% giving. It's never happened before. I mean, we've been here 24 years. So we understand people are shifting. Some people are getting unemployed. I get all that stuff. But I just really want to encourage you right now. This is a key time to give. Lord gave me a verse when I woke up this morning. Because I, I really believe in what we're doing. <laughs> I, that's why I've been here 24 years. I, I believe God has some amazing things for us as a church. I believe we are going through a difficult time right now. We will come out on the other side. Got a lot of vision that we're getting during this time about what God's gonna use us for in the days ahead. We are here though to fulfill a very unique purpose which I wanna talk about briefly. Here's the verse, Matthew 10, verse 27 says this. Jesus looked at them. By the way, this was in the context of of, uh, can, can rich people get to heaven? <laughs> Strange context to be talking about. The disciples were, were puzzled by it. And Jesus looked at them and said, look, with men it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Verse 28, uh, then Peter began to say to him, see, we, we have left all to follow you. And they did. They all dropped their nets and followed Jesus. And it said, so Jesus answered and said, surely I'll say this to you, Peter, There's no one who's left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. That's great. I love the fact that Jesus is eternal, but he's also got a temporal understanding. You know, he was living on earth. He understood the bills that come in, the the raising of children, the schooling, all the various things that you have to do. And he said, but you'll get a hundredfold now in this time, houses. See, first time he said no one left a house. Now he's saying houses. So maybe you need to start believing for more. I don't know. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecution. A nice little add on there. 
and in the age to come, eternal life. There's an amazing link when you, when you release all to the Lord Jesus Christ. It engages something, not only in a temporal level, that you're going to feel blessing, fruitfulness, prosperity, all those things, of which I feel in the recent decade, we probably had too much of an emphasis on the temporal fulfillment of the kingdom of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But we've got to make sure that we've got two legs to this. You know, yes, we want our temporal needs filled, but are we more driven by our temporal needs or led by our temporal needs or are we led by eternal purposes? And in Cleveland, this church is a part of eternal purposes. And I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But first, let's pray and then we're going to take up our offering. And uh, if we could get the how to give thing up here, that would help. Uh, text to give. There we go. Let's leave that up there for a few moments here. You can text to give. I use that when we have guest speakers. Or you can go online and set up where there's an automatic payment out of your account. That's what I do. I've been doing that for years. You know, until my, I use a credit card to do it just because I get air miles. And uh, the credit card uh, expired without me knowing it. So for five months, I did not tithe. It's not my fault. You know, it was the credit card's fault. Anyway, I discovered that, of course, in December of the year and realized I had to back tithe five months. It wasn't because I, I was afraid that I wouldn't go to heaven if I didn't do it, but it's, it's this commitment I made to the Lord. My tithes and offerings, 10%, it's a, it's a biblical uh, uh, template that you give 10% of what comes in and your income comes in and you give it to the Lord and... Uh, you know, given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So I've been following that since I've been 12 years old. I was 12 years old, my first job, you know, I tithed right from then. And it has blessed me over the years that I've first paid that when I can, because usually the government comes in and takes a chunk first. And I pay that 10% and I, I give offerings on top of that. So we encourage you to be a part of that. We've had people shift. We've had people move to other cities. We've had all kinds of things happening. People being unemployed. Difficult challenges, but right now we really need it. And this is the best pitch you're ever going to get from me. We need your help. Those that are on the internet watching, we need your help, even though physically you may never be here. You're helping establish a core here in this city, which we believe is significant, not only in this upcoming election, but in the things that are coming in the days ahead. So let me pray for you and then let's give. We do have a box out back for those who want to physically give, cash, check, make out your check to Bethel Cleveland. Text online, this is how you do it. It's pretty simple. I've, even I can do it, I've done it. Once you do that the first time, it's all set up, it's very secure, and anytime you give after that, you can use that uh, to give. So actually, let's stand up. Just stand up for a minute. Change your position here. It's so good to see you. I love, I love seeing crowds again, you know? It's, it's, it's hard to preach to a room like I did last week with 10 people in it, you know? But, but you do what you do, you know. There's a lot more out there watching. Oh, Lord, we bless, Lord, right now, Bethel Cleveland. Thank you, Lord. In this 25th year that we're in right now, we thank you, Lord, that you blessed us. You've always supplied our needs. We sit in this beautiful building, Lord, because you initiated us to do that, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that there would be, in the time of famine, and this feels a little bit like a famine, we pray, Lord, we sow into that and we believe for a great harvest and prosperity. I pray for everyone in this room who's struggling financially right now. I speak prosperity over you. 
I speak that in this temporal realm, God does care for your needs. He cares that you have food. He cares that you have your basic needs you need. And he even gives you treats because he's such a good God. So Lord, I pray in every situation that you would overwhelm them with the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And thank you, Lord, for this church. And pray you overwhelm this church body and the organization itself with the goodness of God pouring in. And we bless that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Open your Bibles, if you could, to Matthew. Excuse me. I feel really loud on the platform. If we can pull it back just a little bit, that'd be great. I'm in a season, I'm in a a series right now called The Turning, The Alternative to Chaos. There's been so much chaos in our culture, and I talk about it every week because I really feel we need to. But there's a turning that is coming. And turning in the Bible is several different Greek words and Hebrew words that are used, that are uh, translated to talk about a turning. But the key one that we know of that we use in the English is called repent. And so I want to talk about that, that there is a, a repentance that comes in our life. There is that major repentance when you first receive Jesus Christ where you turn radically out of a lifestyle that you've been in, knowing that you're still part of this world, but you're not of this world. But that turning comes, that turning comes, it's a gift of God, it's a warming of your heart. That's the first initial thing you feel, and and at first first you may not recognize it fully, like, "What, what is it I'm feeling? I'm feeling emotional, I'm feeling like I wanna be different, I'd like to change, that's God. It's either God or your wife, but it's probably God. You feel that, that move. And so what happens is when you turn, like Moses did to the bush, when you turn to the fiery bush, when you behold the Lord, when you understand this, I think this is God, you know, that that becomes a moment of salvation. When you turn to the Lord and you repent, you repent, meaning I'm not just doing this as a one-time deal. I am deciding that this way This life is not the life that I want to follow. It's following with Augustine from the 4th or 5th century. Augustine, the great communicator out of the church, that a bishop, a powerful bishop that spoke into the church. And much of our guides that we use, even for the formation of this nation, were based on Augustine's understanding. And Augustine, in very, very powerful ways, communicated, you know, about this this turning and a moving and a shifting, but he talked about the city of God versus the city of man. And most of us understand this, but it's interesting, when, when the Renaissance began to happen, you know, real quick, I mean, you've got, you know, classical or ancient times, which go up to somewhere around 500 AD, and then beginning in approximately in the 16th century, you've got the beginning of the Renaissance, which was like a recapturing of what had been lost. And then you have a thousand year period, a medieval period, middle ages, dark ages, however you've heard it. And it was pretty dark. There was still stuff that was happening very good in the midst of it, but there were plagues, there were castles, there were warriors, there's knights, there's people getting cut into pieces, there's crusades, there's all kinds of things going on during that thousand years. And then the Spirit of God begins to move, like in the late 1400s. 1400s were like the most horrible century in, uh, in, in all of history, really. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, a plague, the bubonic plague, 
hit Europe, uh, transmitted through rats, uh, spread so rapidly that by the end of the four, like we think we have a bad in COVID, the end of a four-year period, one-third of Europe died. 28 million people died. Constantinople, 88% of the city died, which was a key uh, church location of the Orthodox Church, the Eastern Church, in, in what is now Istanbul. And so, I mean, you can imagine the darkness, the difficulty, and yet at the end of that, God brought forth amazing saints, that what the Catholic Church would call saints, just really good Christians, that came forth and began to penetrate that darkness and brought out the beginnings of a renaissance which totally changed these past 500 years. And we are still on the outer edges of modernism or in postmodernism, wherever we are right now. We're seeing now another level of advancement, but there's a temptation to bring things into difficulty. Augustine said, the city of God and the city of man, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of man. Kingdom of man is important. City of God is more important. And the city of God, he says, will come down and overlap the city of man until our, the dream, the ultimate dream of Jesus is the consuming of the city of man by the city of God. It's called the kingdom of God. It's the rule of God. It's the ways of God. And so I don't know where we are in those two circles coming together. The overlap in the middle is the church. The church is mighty because it's a part of the city of man, but it is also part of the city of God. And because of it, it thinks differently, or it should it thinks differently. It's changed its thinking, which is really what repentance is all about. It's about not going through the usual paths of understanding. You get that there are, are natural laws, there's natural logic, there's natural reasoning, and much of it is very good. I don't touch a hot stove because I've learned, not by God, I've learned by getting my hand burned that you want to keep your hand away. Cindy, while cooking this week, set her hair on fire. That's a natural law. Oh, man, I got off that sofa so fast when I heard the screaming in there, you know. And she just leaned over to look into the whatever she was cooking. And, whoo, you know, it was, it was a scary moment, scary moment. And she'll, and she'll allow you to touch her hair afterwards just to feel that really weird spot. Anyway, so you understand all these natural things. That's good. But, and, and those are... Those are set up by God originally. So we, we do encounter the feel of the goodness of God even in the natural world. That's why you don't deny science or things like that because it's all, it's all part of what God's revealing. Yeah, they make it some of it wrong. Mathematics, science, whatever, they're limited. The earth is not flat. Turn to the person next to you and say, the earth is not flat. I've flown around it, totally. So the city of man, the city of man, the city of God it comes down, and, and we, are, we are constantly in a place of drawing down the city of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As believers in Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, the called out ones, we are, we are in this world, but not of this world, you know. And it's this little bit confusing spot of how do I really act in this world? And, and that is the alternative to chaos. When chaos is in the city of man, the city of God has to intervene in those circumstances. 
And throughout history, you can look every time there's a, a great war or there's slavery, whether it's William Wilberforce in England or Harriet Beecher Stowe in the United States, God raises up believers that step into a moment and say, this cannot be stood any longer. Slavery must end. You've got the Janet Porters of our world, who's, who's a part of this church, who stand up against abortion. I mean, somewhere, someone needs to stand up and speak. And what, what causes that is really interesting. And I just want to say, this is who we are as a church. We were a church from the beginning, 25, almost 25 years ago. I came here not knowing that I was going to start a church. We got prophetic words that confirmed it later on. But I came here, we were going to do something. And then after a one or two year period, we were going to go to another city. But on my way here, which is true with so many things, the Lord gets your attention and causes you to turn. Everyone say turn for a minute. Turning is a part of what you're going to be doing the rest of your earthly life. You're always going to be turning. Why? Because there's a default position that works within us to draw away from the purposes of God. And when you do that, when you walk into that wilderness, you experience discouragement, you experience, you experience anxiety and depression and fear and everything else. And you feel the call of God, even in the wilderness. And what he is always calling you to do is to turn back into the love and purposes of God. And I've illustrated this many times. On one side, you have legalism. On the other side, you have anarchy or chaos or what I call lawlessness. Lawlessness, legalism, love. Jesus is love. And so sometimes you get, become a Christian and you start thinking you know a lot about things and you get a little bit legalistic. Well, this is what the Bible says and this is what you need. And we start getting judgmental and everything else. How many of you have ever experienced any of that? I mean, not in your life, of course, but in other people's lives. Yes, there's always a judgment out there. And, and the Lord will try by his Holy Spirit to move upon you so that you will turn back to the love of God. And then some of us get lawless. You know, right now there's a big grace message out there that actually is encouraging people to do whatever you want. You're free in Jesus Christ. If you feel like you want to do that, I mean, you watch pornography, everyone watches pornography. You don't need to worry about it. Jesus died for you. Your sins are covered. What we don't realize is that we are preaching a heresy that draws people away from the love of God. So you get into this lawlessness and you feel what we call, we love to call conviction, it's the touch of the Holy Spirit that is drawing us by the love of God into a different place. Repentance is meant to be a continual part of the Christian life. That wasn't very loud on that one, man. It's like, wait, I'm not sure I believe in that. You all initially repented if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You turn from the Lord. But I'm not talking just about that one. There are times of change. I mean, look at, look at the Chronicles verse that we all quote right now. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, see if I will not come and heal their land. I think I left that a little no, did I get it all? Okay, yeah. See if I will not come and heal their land. What is that all about? It's about turning. If my people will turn, if my people will shift, if they'll make the shift in their life, and again, that pulling back, that default position of being in this world, but not of this world, and getting attitudes, especially during this political season. I mean, it is outrageous what's being said on, on social media right now about this election. 
If you, I mean, you want to vote for that person, vote for that person. You vote for that person, vote for that person. But don't make it a religious act. We could, we could all hear arguments on both sides. And I voted this week. I believe it's my civic duty to do that. But I know there is something that transcends all of this. And yeah, maybe my guy won't get in. I don't know. You know, who knows right now? You, can't, you don't know what to believe. Maybe my guy won't get in that I voted for. But I found out in the past that God transcends. There's no president that can ruin this country without our consent. Because the spirit of God rests upon this nation. Does that guarantee us everything's gonna turn out beautiful all the time? No, but it gives me a place to hide in God. That when I feel the difficulties and the challenges, I elected people in the past that I wasn't really happy with once they got in office. So I've made boo-boos myself on electing people, you know. So not everyone's perfect in this and everyone's gonna have different directions. Why? Because it's a part of the city of man. We're part of that, we care for that, we do our civic duty, but we understand that this bubble up here is way bigger than this bubble down here. And this bubble up here can absolutely transform that bubble in a moment if God does it. And if he gets a nation who will turn from their wicked ways and begin to seek the Lord and seek his face and cry out to him, that is repentance and that is the turning. You know, Jesus in, in uh, uh, let's go to Matthew We'll jump ahead, Matthew 4, because of my time. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. John the Baptist came on the scene. Now, I know it's hard to picture John the Baptist. We all had this picture of this big burly guy with long beard. That's probably right. You know, locusts. He eats locusts and honey. He probably had honey dripping from his beard. A couple locusts stuck in there. Just had lunch. And he comes out and he's called, he's called by God the greatest prophet that ever lived. So you've got to respect the guy because God really likes him. He comes out and he says this, and we've seen street preachers do that and we don't like it. He comes out and says, repent. That's my best version of John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, he probably had a long bony finger. He had deep set eyes, I'm sure. And he probably pointed at you if you'd have been there. Repent, repent. And he got a big crowd gathered around. They, they went, he was like the best show in town, man. People came out, they were getting baptized by him and everything. And then all of a sudden, his cousin shows up at one of the meetings. Now imagine that, think about one of your cousins. Turns out his cousin is the son of God. He's God in the flesh. Imagine if you found that out about your cousin. You'd be like, oh, I don't know, man. I was, I was kind of raised with, we used to go to their house all the time. We went on vacation together a few times. You know, I mean, nice person, but not God in the flesh. But John the Baptist, you imagine the challenge in his heart. I always wonder like whether he got that revelation in that moment or whether he had been trained his whole life that Jesus is the son of God. Regardless, when Jesus shows up one day, he goes, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of his people. The one who comes after me, I'm not fit to tie his shoes. That's a big deal in their culture because shoes were, or feet were gross. People walked around with sandals, they got dung on their feet, they got dirt on their feet, it is gross. So you go into someone's house, you take off your shoes, they wash, wash your feet, you know. Because you gotta, before you walk on my nice Persian rug, I, I, you know, you gotta, gotta get your feet cleaned up there. And so, so John's going right to the core saying, I'm not even fit to clean their shoes. 
Jesus comes on the scene. John gets uh, arrested. And it said, at that point, that's where we enter in right here. Jesus picks up the same message. Now, this is his first message recorded. This is what he talks about. After John the Baptist, for months, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is a God. Jesus comes in there and he says this in Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say. Everyone say, preach and say. <laughs> that, that means that there's times when you preach some stuff. You go, oh, I'm not a preacher. You can be. Under the power of the Holy Spirit. What that, what that means is just a greater conviction, anointing, anticipation of what is being said. You speak into groups. You declare. I mean, I haven't gone into Panera yet and said, repent. I don't know if Panera would allow me to stay in there very long. Or Starbucks. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is a man. I mean, they would be like, okay, bud. Uh, need to talk to you outside. The police have just arrived. They want to chat with you. So Jesus comes in. And the, the severity of John the Baptist, because he was the one blasting open for a foundation to be laid for the chief cornerstone of Jesus Christ to come. And John the Baptist was just the guy who was putting the dynamite in there and blowing things up, bringing down religious understanding, allowing a path. He was called ahead of time to prepare the way of the Lord, to make high things come low, to make low things come up to make roads become straight so that Jesus could come into this pathway. So Jesus arrives and he says the same thing. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We don't know if he cried that out. We don't know what his temperament was like. It was probably different than his cousin. But what are they saying? Why did Peter pick up the same thing on the day of Pentecost? I mean, later on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, you don't have to turn there, but he says, when they heard this, so he preaches the gospel to this crowd that had gathered right after the Holy Spirit had touched 120 of them. It said, when they heard the gospel, the gospel, it's inferred, they were cut to the heart. The initial time that you receive the gospel, that you receive the gospel, is you are cut to the heart. You feel something that convicts your very soul. It goes in the deeper depths of your bones and it just tells you, I gotta do something. I can't keep living the way I lived. Joel Reichlin, who's you know our campus pastor up Middleburg Heights, he got up today and encapsulized his testimony. I never get tired of hearing his testimony. He was just using it as a reference to something he talked about. I mean, 20 years ago. Joel was, in, was a heroin addict and a, and a, a drug pusher. Uh, 15, 16 years ago, he was in prison for that, that issue. Now you look at him, Paul Manwaring, who dealt with, dealt with scores of heroin addicts as he oversaw a prison in the United Kingdom in England. When he met Joel, he walked away and told me, he said, that's the cleanest former heroin addict I've ever met in my life. Yeah. That's Joel Reichlin. And so Joel is a guy where even in prison, I mean, he was just a young guy. He was like 20, 21, something like that in prison. It was very young. He felt the power of God cut him to the heart and he started to make the turn to follow Jesus Christ. That is repentance. Here's the thing I want to submit to you today though. Repentance does not end at salvation. You are going to have a life of turning. Why? Because you are being conformed into the very image of Christ. You're going to feel that same thing. Maybe not with the same intensity, 
But you come to a point as a believer, a, walk, a person who walks and is led by the Spirit of God, you know when God's speaking to you. You may not always know what he's saying, but you know, you feel, you know what, am I, am I talking to the right group here? Do you feel that? Like you feel like, even right now, some of you are like, oh man, I think God's talking to me. He's talking to me about something in my life that may not be sin, it may be a weight, but I gotta get rid of it. Because I heard Mike Bickle this morning on a, on a uh, video. Mike Bickle's the founder of IHOP, Kansas City, International House of Prayer. In Kansas City, thousands of people, mainly young people, come there from all over the world, 24-7 prayer, for I think 24 years now, night and day, 24-7. I mean, it's an amazing place to go. I was able to go there when they first started, you know. And he was talking about it, and he said that the Lord spoke to him and said that he can't come and do what he wants to do with the church right now because they, ha- they, they, they have weights. They have things that are holding them down. They've fallen in love with things that are temporal, as necessary as temporal is. Fallen in love with temporal things and can't those things hold them back and are limiting them, limiting them from receiving the fullness of what God had. When I heard him say that, like it registered in my heart, not like, hey, this would be good to share this morning. It registered in my heart like, oh, uh, Oh, it was like a thud. Yeah, I think that's me. I think there's some weight. I mean, that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you a little advice here. When you, when you feel the Holy Spirit, yield to the Holy Spirit. What that means is begin to change your mind and say, you know what? This has got to go. How many times do I want the Holy Spirit to keep telling me the same thing? This needs to go. The Bible talks over and over again in the epistles about putting off and putting on, putting off and putting on. There are things in your life, and I know there's a whole lot of, uh, there's a whole lot of theology out there right now that does not believe in this. And I'll just tell you right off the bat, they're wrong. And they're missing. They're allowing people to either move into some weird religion or allowing people to move into lawlessness whether it's living with someone or pornography or anger or, or contentions or right now just slander. There's a lot of slander out there, even in the church right now. We've been the victims of it, Cindy and I, many, many times in our 42 years of ministry. It doesn't feel good, particularly with Christians. <laughs> always, we always hold to the verse, faithful are the wounds of a friend. <laughs> Christians can be pretty brutal when they want to. They get fearful or get concerned or get a little legalistic or get a little whatever, you know, they, they can really pray. And, and those things, the Lord's calling us to turn from those things. He's using the power of his Holy Spirit to come and touch you gently and warm your heart. That feeling that you have, knowing God is speaking, is not just a little religious experience that you go away and celebrate later on. It is meant for us to begin to turn, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You are, you are functioning out of the city of man and God's calling calling you into the city of God. Even believers, four out of seven times in the book of Revelation, when he writes to the churches, he specifically uses the word repent. Repent to Christians. You've lost your first love. Repent and be restored. You've grown cold. You've wandered off. You got into false things. There are times in our life we need to stop. Not a lot of this being preached nowadays. 
I'm going to be talking more about it because I think it's the key to the joy and the love and the peace that you desire in God is a person that is being drawn constantly into the presence of God. They become transfigured. It's what the Bible says in Corinthians. You behold the face of the Lord, the same Greek words used. That's used on the Mount of Transfiguration. When you behold the face of the Lord, like in worship or whatever, in giving, whatever you're doing, when you're looking to God, you're focusing on the Lord. Transfiguration takes place. In other words, you get transformed. When you yield to the Holy Spirit, new neuron paths, I believe this and it's been proven, new neuron paths are being created in your brain. You ever hear of a one-track mind? I read an article on that years ago that pornography literally builds a one-track mind. When you look at pornography, you, you begin to, you be, you're telling your mind, you're telling your body, this is important, this is where we're focused. And it begins to develop this highway in your mind that no matter what you do, what you watch, and what you listen to, it's all taken through a grid of pornography. And it's very hard to break out of that. And you feel the Holy Spirit coming and speaking to you about it. But, you know, you just tried, you tried, you failed, you failed. You can't get out of it, so you give up. I'm telling you, you have to yield. You have to do things that put this aside and turn to the Lord. When you lean into the Lord, it kicks in this thing called faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm so glad I didn't write that. Because then everyone would get upset at me and go, wait, 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 this can't be, a, you know, it, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's a big deal. The whole chapter in Hebrews 11, by faith, by faith, by faith, our life is by faith. So we turn and we lean and we lean into that. It is a silent moment before God to change your life, to refute, this is repenting, refute this and embrace this. I mean, Peter, uh, on his Mount of Transfiguration, when the Holy Spirit comes in great power, Moses shows up, Elijah shows up, Jesus is there, it's a great moment, you know. And he's feeling the Holy Spirit, you know. But rather than turning toward what God was speaking, he thought, what can we do right now? So he said, let's build a tabernacle. It's so, I love that passage because it has that feel of like, I mean, you got the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you got Elijah, Jesus, and Moses there focuses all on them. And there's Peter, you know, I've got an idea. Let's, let's build a tabernacle, three tabernacles, you know. You can feel the focus. If you ever said something like that and the whole crowd looks at you like, what are you talking about? And you're like, oops. <laughs> so, well, we can build three tabernacles. And, and I throw this in. It's not in scripture, but I feel it's inferred. It's like a heavenly, shh, listen to my son. And there's... Bible doesn't say anything about Peter after that. It's just quiet. It's just quiet. As this amazing transformation. In other words, it's like, don't worry about this and that and everything else and how all this and all that fits together. Focus in the moment on what God is saying and you will be transfigured. You will be changed. You will be transformed in the core of your soul. Whatever habits have been developed in your life, whatever difficulties have been developed in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit can bring you out of all of that. Not only unto eternal life, but unto victory in this realm right now. You know, let me read to you one more verse and then I'll, uh, I'll tie it up here. Uh, uh, in Acts uh, 3, 3.19, Peter, of course, 
<clears throat> preaches his first sermon. And he says, uh, actually, this is when he healed the lame man, the a lame man who had been crippled his entire life. And Peter raises him up by the grace of God, you know, and, and a big crowd gathers because they're all stunned by this man who's, whose whole life has been sitting by the gate begging for money. Everyone knew him. And everyone understood who he was. But now he's walking and leaping in the temple. And so they gather around him. Peter takes the opportunity. And what's he say? Of all things he could say, he says, repent. Therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And I love this part here that he adds in there. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I mean, there's something about repenting and greater refreshment coming into your life. Something about repenting and literally cutting these weights and sin, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, that so easily beset us or entangle us, getting those things out of the way. Why? I can fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And some of us right now, you may be entangled. I've been entangled in some thoughts and situations. I got a little bit of an anger issue I've been dealing with lately. I don't know where it came from, from hell or some, somewhere like that, you know, and it... Uh, it just started popping up. And I think, hey, it's the, this is the COVID effect. It's, I, I can feel this, this drone of stuff in the background and it's, it's stirring something inside of me. And at first I resisted it and just thought, you know what? I have a right to be angry right now. You know, and then Cindy told me I, I didn't really have that right to angry. But, and then, you know, that's the repentance began with her. And then, and then there's the broader repentance of saying, God, I, I, I got to get out of this. It almost always involves a grace to quit doing something you've been doing. Almost always. You set that aside and you call, you cry out to God for mercy and grace and empowerment by his Holy Spirit to bring you into that new place. Let me tell you something. Where God is taking us in these next years, you're going to have to be you have to be holy before the Lord. I'm not talking about some religious holy. I'm talking about a purity of thought, a purity of your heart before the Lord where you're just like, oh, yeah, this is good, man. I'm just hearing the, the voice of God. I'm in a city of man, but I'm also a citizen of the city of God. And I'm gonna see the city of man transform because I come on Sunday morning. This is the core of what we do at Bethel Cleveland. We are here to be transformed so that we can go out there as a transformational agent. I can't do that for you. You gotta do it. But we try to provide an atmosphere for equipping, worship, training, experiencing God, conferences, all those things we do from children, youth, everyone. Get them all in a place where they're getting more of Jesus, less of us. That he might increase, that I might decrease. That he might increase, that I might decrease. As he increases, we're going to see cities touched by the power of God. Let's all stand together if we could. Yeah, I was listening to Mike Bickle this morning and I love the guy. He's, he's really part of the reason why I'm here. He came to Canada and told me that I needed a bigger city. And, um, and that word started the whole ball rolling of prophetic words to come back to Cleveland, which I did. But I was listening to him this morning and he said, this is what the Lord spoke to him. You can't run with me right now because you have weights. In other words, you can't, it's, it's a Hebrews passage. Can't run when you have weight. Going to take some weight off. Secondly, he said God brought redemptive disciplines during this time of the pandemic. In other words, he's forced us home to deal with issues. 
you know, you're finding out that you may not like your home <laughs> or those that are in the home. <laughs> you know, and you're having to deal with stuff and realize that things have been building up in your life. And he said how that this is a redemptive discipline. I wish I had more time on this because it's so important. I might hit it next week. But the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. So where's that? Hebrews 12. He disciplines. In fact, I, I can't tell you what the Bible says because it's, it's like beyond my theology. It says he scourges those whom he loves. You go, yeah, but what does scourges mean? Exactly what you think it means. And the fact, you cannot even be a true son if you're not disciplined by the Lord. Now he's talking to the church when he says that. This isn't for unbelievers. There is a discipline that God wants to bring upon us that is redemptive, it's not punitive. It's not in the sense like, oh, I'm gonna feel bad about myself for the next 20 years. No, it's redemptive. The Lord actually brings some difficult things into your life in order to disciple you because he loves you. Now, I know that doesn't fit with a lot of people right now. I get it, man. I, I watch the internet. People don't want anything coming from God that feels uncomfortable. If you're gonna get through this thing on the other side, you're gonna have to explore the territory of uncomfortable. That God was wanting to change us. We have got a hundred million people in the United States that claim to be evangelicals, whatever that means. I mean, they, somewhere they, they love Jesus, somewhere in there. To what degree are they radical believers? We don't know. You think with a hundred million Christians, you just think we wouldn't have riots in the streets. You, know, you think we wouldn't have racism still. You wouldn't think we'd still be aborting babies. So there's a silent group of Christians that have bought into the city of man. I've been one of them. But the call of God is coming out right now. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some here right now, God's calling you for the first time and saying, repent! Turn from your wicked ways. You say, well, it's not really that wicked. It's wicked. It's wicked. It's attitudes, it's thoughts, it's anger, it's jealousies, it's envies, it's all those things. Put that aside and turn to the fullness of the kingdom of God in his great city, the shining city on a hill, and embrace Jesus Christ. If you're here right now and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now just to pray with me, a simple prayer. And we do, I like to do this as much as possible with eyes open and heads held up because we need not be ashamed about what we're doing. We're leaving the kingdom of man and we're embracing the kingdom of God. We are embracing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our lives. If you're here and you never received Jesus Christ into your life, you've never said, Jesus, come into my life. Now, what that means is the dynamics of, I'm going a little bit over, sorry about that, but I, I should have brought this up earlier. The true definition of repentance is this, thinking differently afterwards. The second definition is changed after being with. You're in a moment right now where you're experiencing God and you, you're about to encounter change after this. If you turn to the Lord, you gotta turn to the Lord. So right now, if you say, you know, I, I wanna turn to the Lord, I, I, I don't know that I'm where you're talking about. 
I want to turn to the Lord. I want to see what happens afterwards. I'll tell you what happens. You're going to feel transfiguration. You're going to feel transformation. Your thoughts are going to begin to change. It's going to break off some bad habits. It's going to break off things you weren't even aware you knew. Your family knows, but you didn't know it. Your boss may know, but you don't know it. Your coworkers know, but you don't know it. And the Holy Spirit will begin to shift and change you. If you're here and you say, I want to pray that prayer right now. I want to repent and come into the kingdom of God and know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Raise your hand around the room and I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray with you around the room. Any of you, you say, I haven't done that. I want to do that. Anyone here, I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand around the room. Don't want to miss anybody. Okay, the rest of you, I'm, I'm assuming are believers, followers of Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice repentance right now. And all we're going to do is we're just going to ask the Lord, Lord, I turn to you. Just say something like that. Lord, I'm turning to you. Just tell him even right now. Even close your eyes if you want to do that. Just begin to picture the Lord. I'm turning to you, Lord. I ask, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to give me the strength and ability for new neuron paths in my mind. That my default thoughts on everything is what would Jesus do? I pray, Lord, that becomes our default. And I bless this congregation right now. You're rising up, you're sitting down, you're coming in, you're going forth. May the favor, grace, and mercy of God richly rest upon every one of you every moment of this week. And I bless you with an ever-presence of the Holy Spirit upon you to quicken you, to discipline you, to guide you, and to bring you into holiness because Jesus said, be holy as I am holy. We bless that right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jane, we bring uh, people up front for ministry? I forgot. Yeah, if some of our ministry team can come up here in the front, we need like eight or 10 of you maybe, and just stand across the front. Here's what we do at the end of Sunday morning. We know a lot of you have been through, through things during the week. If you need prayer for anything, finances, relationship, whatever it might be, habits, just come up, stand in, one of the, in front of this one person. <laughs> no, just, if we can get more of you up here, please, we need about eight or 10 of our uh, uh, leaders come up, stand across the front to help us out. Come up and just stand in front of them. This is a highly personal thing. And uh, they will just maybe ask you your name or whatever. Give them your name and say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I need. And they'll be glad to pray for you. Can we stretch out across the front here? Uh, those who are, yeah, thank you. All right, God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Um, we've encouraged people to wear a mask on their way out. Just because we don't want any spread going on here. We already had that once. We don't want to have it again. We do sterilize this building. Uh, we've been sterilizing it every week with special spray that the government approves. And it uh, makes, it kills on contact, all that stuff, you know. So we appreciate you coming. You have a great week. You need anything? Watch me on Thursday night. I've been praying every week. 6.30, the resistance at 6.30 every week. Join me online on my page. And we join together and pray for the country leading up to the election. God bless.